Today I'm talking to Tanmay Sapkal, uh, who is from San Francisco. He is a fine art landscape photographer, originally from Mumbai. He is a uh, hardware engineer uh, at Apple, and uh, he is the winner of the famous Il Porti Award, which is uh, the International Landscape Photograph of the Year 2021. And um, he's been published in, in many places, such as National Geographic, Outdoor Photographer, uh, he's been on the cover page of uh, Tamron USA Summer 2021 magazine and um, many other publications such as The Telegraph, The Daily Mail, Times of India, too many to list here. Uh, in this episode, we talk about how he made his winning shot and also what his general process is uh, right from how he plans a shot, how he composes, what his envisioning process is, and all the way down to editing. And uh, some philosophical things too, where the landscape photography world is heading, how you balance um, you know, what you want as an artist versus uh, what others expect from you. Um, and um, in the end, there's a little treat. I give him one of my raw images that he has never seen. And he takes us through the entire editing process right from the beginning. So it's a pretty long one and a half hour session, but you get to see Tanmay think through the entire editing process. Um, and it's um, I enjoyed uh, talking to, to talking to him. It's uh, like I said, it's a pretty long uh, session, um, but it's packed with value and I hope you'll enjoy it. We're not full time photographers here. I think you and I, we're both right. part time. Uh, we have families. Um, how do we balance um, our families and the photography work that we do? Uh, it's not like we get to take, uh, you know, like a, a month off and go to Patagonia right. or something. So how do we uh, how do we balance family and at the same time ensure that we are building up our portfolios? Right. Yeah, I think it is. It is definitely one of the more challenging things to do uh, if you are if you're doing this part time. Uh, so I feel like you definitely need to have a very supportive spouse. Uh, that is probably one of the most important things. I mean, if, if your spouse is not willing to uh, support you in this cause, I think it'll be pretty difficult to pursue. Uh, and luckily, my wife happens to be pretty outdoorsy and uh, she really enjoys hiking and just going out and being in the wilderness, you know, without any cell phone service or uh, any other folks to be around. So basically, she can just enjoy herself while I try to photograph things. So that that is one thing that has helped me out a lot. Um, and we do try to plan trips around photography such that she she's able to get to do her stuff. So she, she can uh, she gets to hike as much as she wants. And then um, I also try to photograph uh, while we, we are on our hikes uh, so we, we try to find routes that that will work for both of us and i can also uh, keep up with her with my heavy backpack so usually i'm the one carrying like a big backpack she'll be carrying some water with her um, and it's kind of hard for me to keep up with her because she's fitter than i am i guess and that big uh, 15 15 pound 20 pound 30 pound backpack can actually uh, really wear you down but it's it's fun um and I think as much time as you spend in the field, um, perhaps more time or at least the same amount of time is being spent at home trying to process the photos. And I think yeah. th that is where um, that is where it probably takes the most amount of patience from your spouse because 
you are basically just sitting in front of the computer uh just editing away and you know not being present um in the house uh, which is which is i'm yeah i'm sure it has just the downside so what what we have tried to do uh, is basically create a room in our house where uh, so this is the room where i'm sitting in so she usually uses the couch uh, she'll read or uh, do her office work or we also have a tv right uh, in front of this and my editing setup is on the side so we basically spend time in the same room uh, but i'll be working on my editing and then she'll be doing her own thing and uh, that's how we are trying to basically get around this issue uh, where uh, we also have to spend time together but i have to find time to process my photos and stuff and i think processing does take up a lot of time um, you know, just besides uh, photographing things also i feel uh, a good amount of work is also done in the digital lightroom so uh, we also have to spend quite some time there um, and there is also obviously learning more techniques uh, coming up with inspiration and stuff so that takes up a lot of time so it is definitely a hobby that requires a lot of um, investment in terms of time um, and uh you have to try to make sure that you you you're keeping your spouse your family happy uh while trying to achieve your goals it was definitely easier uh, while we were working from home during covid but now that office uh, has started again uh it's is definitely proving to be a little bit more challenging uh so i have obviously cut down a little bit on the photographic uh, uh pursuit uh trying to trying to yeah. you know uh, uh balance it a little bit better because we also going to office now so i get much lesser time than i used to before uh so yeah uh, does uh, does she ever mm. feel like a th- third wheel when you're out uh, on trips with you and your uh, camera i'm i'm sure she she must uh, but she's pretty good with uh, you know trying to be considerate and stuff uh and i i try not to annoy her uh, like i i i don't try to uh, you know stay in one spot for hours and hours together if 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 i know that the light is not going to work out i try to uh, you know go to a different spot and then come back later when the light is going to be good um, and she's u- usually pretty calm in you know just being you know just sitting in one place taking in nature listening to all the sounds and stuff so she 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 can stay by herself i think that is a pretty good thing and i i do keep talking quite a bit and if we have other photographers with me uh there is always you know some conversation happening some entertainment going on so it's not it's not yeah. all bad uh uh but i'm i'm sure if like if you have kids and stuff it will become a lot harder because yeah um, uh she has to take care of the kid uh, if i'm shooting or something so th- that'll be more challenging but uh, for now i think it's it's working out j- just fine how many trips do you try to do um uh, in a year we we don't try to keep a count but like probably at least once a month we try to go somewhere uh earlier it was uh, once in two weeks we also used to do a lot of car camping just in and around california so basically just drive to the, redwoods or east sierra or something and then just camp in our car mm. uh that has reduced uh, in recent times but we did that a lot uh, in the beginning of the pandemic uh when basically you couldn't really uh meet people so all you could do is just uh, you know go, go out into the wilderness uh so we used to find parks close by uh, something in the uh, allowed range and then 
just camp on the shore, uh, camp in the forest. Uh, so we used to go almost every weekend, not just for photography, but just to get out of the house. Uh, so we are anyway outdoorsy people uh, and photography definitely gives us an uh, excuse to go out more often. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, um, do you normally do um, like a hiking trip or do you do like uh, you fly somewhere and get a hotel? What kind of what kind of trips do you do? Uh, a mix of both, I would say. Uh, so if we are in just in California, we, we drive. Um, so I'm, I'm both of us can drive for long distances and long time. So we try to drive everywhere around California and then. If uh, weather permits, if it's not too cold or hostile, we, we just sleep in the car, uh, no hotels. Um, at least if it's j- just a weekend trip, we'll, we'll just try to uh, stay in the car close to the, uh, the photography locations so that you can you know be, be there at the right time and you don't have to drive for hours just to get to the location. Yeah. Um, and otherwise, I mean, I try to book hotels because we also have to get back to work after the weekend is over. So at least uh, getting some decent amount of sleep is also necessary because I don't want to, uh, you know, burn out myself over the weekend and then go into the work week uh, completely tired, sleep deprived, and then that also affects your work. So uh, I, I try to try to balance it out, like probably one day car camping, one day hotels, so, so that you can get some good showers uh, and some good sleep. Do you tend to uh, make every vacation into like a photography thing uh, or do you kind of balance it off? Uh, I, I try to balance it. So basically my wife uh, has, uh, uh, my wife is always thinking about where to go next. Uh, so she will have some ideas um, on where she wants to go. And what we try to do is we basically she will make a list of everything she wants to try. And then I try to squeeze in my photography in and around it. Uh, so... Uh, for example, we had gone to Japan and she had a bunch of places on her mind which she wanted to see. Uh, but Japan is pretty, um, or at least the places that she wanted to see were pretty pretty touristy and they were open d- during uh, regular office hours. So I could basically find time before uh, th- those places opened to go and shoot. Uh, so I used to wake up early in the morning at like five o'clock, catch a train, go somewhere, photograph something and then come back and then do sightseeing for the rest of the day. It definitely becomes really hectic uh, if you're doing it for uh, 10, 15 days at a stretch. Uh, but I try to keep uh, try, try to keep a balance. Uh, obviously, if, uh, if it's just if you're just going to a national park or something, it becomes more uh, photography uh, oriented. Um, so we try to plan our hikes around uh, good light. Um, for example, if I want to catch a sunset at some point, we will start the hike in the afternoon rather than starting in the morning. And then um, I try to time sunsets and then we hike back in, uh, you know, like in, in the dark and stuff. But I feel that I still still manage uh, to uh, get like, you know, to hit all the spots that she was interested in uh, seeing or visiting or experiencing. And then. I also squeeze in some shots in the middle here and there um, whenever possible. Um, so, yeah, there is always a balancing act. I feel like she's very open to, uh, do, do, you know, waking up really early, sleeping very late at night and stuff. So it works out a little, little bit better. Um, but if I'm going in bigger groups, uh, it is a little harder. Uh, so as time is progressing, I'm choosing to go uh, either with my photography colleagues uh, or friends 
uh, or just by myself because people don't like waking up at four o'clock in the morning every single day of their trip. Um, so yeah. instead of wearing them down, and you also end up disturbing them if you're sharing like an Airbnb or something. Uh, so I, I try to keep uh, you know, trips with friends and trip photography trips separate. But if it's just with my wife. I think we have a good rapport now that we can manage to do both. When it comes to like going out for sunrise, does your wife join you for those? Uh... Yeah, most of them. I would say eighty eighty percent of them, uh, because she also gets that FOMO afterwards. Uh, she she also feels like oh she should have woken up because. If you end up getting good light, uh, it is exciting for everybody. Uh, uh, no matter yeah. if you're a photographer or not, if you just see an epic sunrise, good light uh, is is just fun to watch. Uh, no matter whether you're photographing it or not. So I think she she enjoys uh, that part of it. Uh, so she always tries to come along, and at least in my experience, if you go going to uh, national parks and stuff, you always meet interesting people while for photographing in the morning. So you you can have a good chat, and uh, we also carry. Our coffee maker and the jet boil basically uh, with us to wherever we are going. So while I'm sitting and sh- shivering in the cold, trying to work my camera, she'll be making coffee, uh, staying warm. Uh, so yeah, just having yeah. coffee while watching the sunrise uh, is is an amazing experience in itself. Yeah, I actually tell my wife that uh, the best way to see a place is to go with a photographer because you know you're going to see it in the best light. Yeah. Because yeah. You know, a lot of people yeah, go to. Sure. Uh, you know nice places and they only get to see it at like you know 10 a.m or 11 a.m right like yes. right after breakfast they'll yes. go and yeah um, yeah just spending your i feel watching sunrises is the best because you have twilight uh, in which you can already see most of the landscape and then the light changes and all the colors change and birds wake up at the same time uh, it's it's usually a pretty good experience, uh, and I think I mean I I personally like shooting sunrises a lot because the crowd is less, uh, you're feeling fresh because it's still cold, um, and the sun sun is coming up, so it feels good. How do you scout your places when you go on when you go to a new place, and you know especially for sunrise, do you right. visit the place the previous day, or what what's your uh, process there? Uh, right. So if, if I've not gone to a place at all, um, I, so how, how I usually do our trip is, um, first day I'll, I'll try to give you an example trip. For example, I had gone to Acadia a few months ago. So, uh, the, we usually take an overnight flight. So we'll fly out on Friday, uh, Friday night. Uh, We'll reach there very early Saturday morning. Then I'll just drive to the national park, uh, which will take a few hours. So we have basically missed that sunrise. Uh, so what we usually do is we freshen up a little bit, um, try to hit as many sightseeing points as possible during the day, um, while the sun is high up. So that I'll be able to at least, you know, see and experience what the place looks like, uh, get an idea of how to reach there, um, whether it requires some kind of hiking, some kind of, you know, whether um, stuff is going to be frozen in the morning and stuff like that. So just to get a better idea of how to reach that location safely uh, in the dark um, and also try to see if I can find some compositions preemptively. Um, So... (laughs) 
uh, if I'll go check where the sun is going to rise, how the light might fall on the scene, and then uh, try to see if I can find some compositions preemptively. That that kind of gives you a fallback option uh, if you're not able to see a lot in the morning, or uh, even just you know to avoid that panic uh, uh, as the sun is coming up in the morning. So. I'll try to scout the locations uh, during the daytime. Uh, just go around, do as much sight sightseeing as possible, um, and then I will, especially if if I feel a spot is challenging uh, to compose, I will try to go there a little, little bit earlier than I usually would. So I will go there like probably an hour before sunrise, uh, where like many people will show up just like half an hour before when the light just is starting to come. But I'll go like half an hour. Uh, uh, earlier, even before, so probably one, one and a half hours before sunrise and try to go find a composition. That kind of gives me some extra time to think um, whether I'm liking a scene or not. Sometimes something just looks good at the back of the camera, but after looking at it for some time, you realize, okay, this is too busy or, uh, you know, the colors are not working out. Um, the composition is not working out because of some reason. So you should have some uh, room to move your camera around and at, you know at least try out a few different things um and then mm -hmm. once you know a few different compositions once the light actually hits you are able to uh, change your composition so you take a few shots of one scene and then recompose and take a few more shots mm -hmm. if you just reach there in the last moment there's a lot of pressure to get uh, just uh, your like at least one good shot um but doing some extra homework i think gives you uh, a few d different options so that's always good. I try to go early uh, um, mm. as much as possible because I, I find it uh, that um, I am more at ease than when I go there early. It's okay if I had to wake up, you know, yeah. lose like half an hour, 45 minutes of sleep. I don't really mind. Uh, but going there early kind of gives. And also, as the crowds are increasing, if you reach there early, you might just be able to get a spot to stand in the right place uh, or get the right composition. Uh, so it's it's always just a good practice to go early in in my view if if you're willing to sacrifice on the sleep yeah do you use any uh, like planning apps or tools uh to some extent i so i personally like uh, photographing light uh, so not just uh, alignments and stuff like that so i don't really care where the sun exactly is rising or where the moon is going to rise uh, I would care more about the quality of light that I'm going to get, but yeah, I ob obviously try to uh, try to see where the sun is going. So I, I use the photographer's ephemeris um, the most because that is what I started with, and also a few times photo pills to see where the Milky Way is going to be at what time and stuff like that. Um, mm. But I don't rely on it too much. I mean, if I have to re because not uh, your 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 atmospheric conditions kind of dictate how the light is going to look like. So I may not always stick to my original plan just just before because the sun was going to rise in a particular place. I wouldn't just necessarily compose in that direction. If I see something better, or if I feel like the light is going to be better in a different direction, I'll I'll just shoot in that direction. Uh, so. Some planning, uh, for, for sure, uh, but uh, I don't let it dictate my shoots. No. You're also using escape to yes ch check uh, on, the, yeah. on the sky. Do you, do you uh, plan your trips around when the conditions are going to be good? Yes, I yeah yeah I try to. Uh, uh, for for long distance trips, it's kind of difficult. Uh, but at least for my local trips, I hundred percent rely on weather predictions. So. 
um especially if it's just a two, two to three hour drive i'll try to see when the weather is going to be good and then just drive out any day i see the conditions are going to be good and i i do enjoy uh photographing spectacular conditions like you know out of the ordinary weather conditions uh i know they don't occur very often uh, so that kind of limits my options but i do find it exciting to you know chase these conditions and find the edge of a storm or edge of a big cloud deck and you know get getting those different shades in the sky when sun is going down so mm, Uh, yeah for for local places for sure 100% look at the weather uh, for going to far off places i try to approximately time the weather so i know that okay this season is going to have more fog or more rain i want to photograph uh, that place in those particular conditions so i'll try to time it according to that uh, sometimes things work out sometimes they don't because we have to kind of plan these things in advance around our uh, holidays and stuff so um i do get l- lucky quite quite often i mean i have been l- lucky fortunately um, um and i also try to keep my trips very flexible so i i just book uh flights to a place i book uh, my hotel in some central location and then depending on the weather i choose where to shoot and what day so mm-hmm. if weather is going to be good in one place i'll go there even if it means that i have to drive a lot on those days i i just um, so basically i let weather dictate my shoots once i'm at location um but i i there is only so much you can predict in advance yeah. so i have to book my flights like a month a month and a half in advance at least so that there right. is only so much you can predict one one good trick i i follow is to see uh, when all the workshops are ha- happening in that location so there are all of yeah. these experienced local photographers and i mm. see when they are conducting their workshops in those locations and i try to time my trips around that yeah, that's uh, a good because, hack i guess yes yeah because they know when when things are yeah. going to look good uh e- e- even if you miss it's fine um, but there is at least a higher chance of getting something uh so i try to follow a lot of photographers who are local and see when they're conducting their workshops in what 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 part of the park uh, what time of the year and stuff like that have you ever because bumped into any of them when you're shoot- yeah. out shooting okay yeah i i do bump into them and it's always nice to uh, see what they're teaching and in general i i have gotten to know some of the photographers uh, over time and it's good to you know catch up with them in the field uh, meeting them in different different locations again and again so it's it's good fun yeah are there any like go to places um like depending on the season mm. which place comes to mind um right do you have any like any of those places that you know when that season comes you want to go to that area yeah so i think for spring it's bay area i love spring in bay area just in and around bay area there is just so many places we have big sur we have east bay uh we have socal uh, so there are flowers all around uh, so i think uh, in in spring i love, love being in california um in winter i love going to eastern sierras because they kind of feel like our own version of alps and they're all somehow eastern sierra is not, not ever crowded uh, so it's it's yeah. always good uh, and i can drive my subaru into snow um, um so uh, is basically i get to explore the place uh, a lot better in winter uh, just because uh, the weather is more uh, i i like cold uh, more than uh, heat so i i just enjoy going out in winter and j- j- the place just looks beautiful with uh, the dusting of snow in different places yeah. snow capped mountains on the side so i love going to eastern sierras in winter whenever i get a chance 
how do you keep yourself like what safety precautions do you take when you go to these remote areas because like for example in the eastern sierras in some areas there's no phone signal so you know if you have a right punk puncture you're going to be stuck right yeah so i'm learning my lessons slowly uh, uh, i i'm definitely not the most well prepared um um and i do have to find a way to actually uh, you know co- communicate when there's no self coverage i recently got stuck in uh, washington because of the same issue so we mm-hmm. we were basically going to a waterfall our car got stuck in snow and uh, there was no coverage for like 10 12 miles so we basically had to walk down the mountain um in in appropriate clothing well, one of my friends was just wearing shorts and it was uh, snowed out everywhere so uh definitely not the uh, best uh, equipment but we did manage to get down and find our way uh, to get the car recovered eventually but those i i have to find a way i i right now do not carry enough safety requ- uh, equipment when i'm going in my own car i do have things to get myself unstuck and i do have like a spare tire and everything uh but if i do really get into trouble i need to find a way to communicate uh i've been looking at uh garmin stuff but i'm not totally convinced that it is enough uh so might need to look at some other uh, other alternatives probably get like a satellite phone or something um, yeah. in worst case scenario and my mom gets very worried when i go to these places and she's like you know she doesn't want me to go how can i not yeah, go yeah, as a photographer you kind of have to go to these remote areas sometimes right so yeah. i always wonder like what are you know what do other photographers do um, like what about uh, food supply and uh, things like oh, that right. if you have to spend a night in the car right yeah so that i think that we have uh, gotten it well figured out so basically surviving out of car we have gotten it well figured out now so we have a dehydrator food dehydrator at home uh and uh, my wife would basically so uh, we, we have tried a lot of um um dry, to eat a lot, lot of ready made dried food uh, and it's not the best uh, but uh, after getting the dehumidifier we basically realized we can we can turn anything into dried food so now we basically just take uh, you know uh, indian rice and dal um uh, we we just uh, dehydrate it take it and it's very easy to convert it back into dal and just edible rice uh, in your um, uh, jet boil so mm. that is what we do uh, we also carry oats with, with us so ready made oats and the granola that is pretty easy to make and eat and it's also like sweet and uh, warm so you know keeps you full uh, so we we try to take very simple stuff uh, especially if you just camp car camping for a couple of days also keeps your stomach healthy uh yeah. not eating a lot of food uh during those times uh, will will keep your stomach healthy and uh, uh we don't have to spend too much time outside of the car trying to make uh, elaborate meals uh, we do have like a big stove and stuff but we try not to cook on it too much uh, especially when outside because it's just hostile if you're going in like super cold weather or something you have to stand outside of the car and cook we don't have a camper it's just a suv so you have to stand outside and cook um yeah. so yeah we try try to keep it as simple as possible um so and when it's just, just the both of us uh we can get uh you know get, get away with just eating uh just basic uh, rice and dal or sometimes we take poha or just basically indian indian snacks uh, indian and you just food, add hot uh, water to to it to prepare yeah, it okay yeah. yes it's just add hot water keep it for some time and then uh, it it becomes uh, edible again and it is pretty good in taste as well 
just tastes like um, home food nice so you dehydrate your own food or because i know you can also buy like uh, yeah, you know ready i i dehydrated yeah i dehydrated my own food uh, because the just getting ready made stuff consistently is hard so sometimes the stores will carry them sometimes they will not we also do buy them uh, when we can find them uh, and then we'll just stock them uh, especially like upma poha all of those things are very easy to find in indian stores so yeah. we will take a few 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 packets of those and it's also good to have some extra flavor so some different different flavors so rice we make at home um and other stuff we just carry from outside do you need to pack them in a special way or you can, does that matter uh, at all? Uh, we, we just put them in ziploc bags uh, so just dehydrated mm-hmm. and put it in ziploc bags uh, we put dal in one ziploc uh, or rice in another ziploc and then just uh, uh, open it uh, it's 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 in powdered form so very easy to handle uh, i see so you can't like make you can't mix dal and rice and then dehydrate them all together uh you probably could um, but we don't try to do that so yeah we have you ha- you have to make them separately at least in our current way i think you might be able to do- <clears throat> make it into a khichdi or something and then uh, uh hmm. basically just cook the rice as khichdi and then dehydrate it i think that should be doable yeah we we, we could try that it's basically like poha right same concept as poha and if poha works then this should work too do you ever uh, worry about like um like wild animals attacking you especially in the morning when it's dark and you're in a new place uh, in like a national park setting or something what do you uh not attacking us to be honest i mean i'm not uh, easily scared so i have had many encounters with black bears at least um even so even while we are car camping we have had black bears come to check out our car uh, and some foxes sleeping under the car because the car was warm and stuff like that uh <laughs> usually they're scared of us so i haven't uh, had to worry about you know bears coming too close to our car if if the, there is some noise coming from the car and stuff so ha- thankfully haven't had any uh, bad experience yet and i'm probably a little i mean i probably i should be afraid but i'm not yet because i just haven't had any bad experience and i do carry like a bear spray and stuff wherever it is allowed mm-hmm. uh, just to be safe uh, but yeah so far we haven't had a very bad experience we have we've encountered like grizzlies and brown bears and stuff but they haven't really tried to do anything bad to us so um yeah i i've just i've re- realized they they don't want anything to do with you usually unless you're carrying food on you which which yeah. i try not to um so i haven't had any bad experience so far i encountered a family of bears actually when i went to the eastern sierras last year um i was oh, about wow. to go yeah, i was about to go in the morning uh, to the um, you know the um, hot creek site and mm-hmm. uh, there was this family of bears right next to my car and wow. um, the, the 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 mom bear was like standing on two legs and like looked straight at me and i was like you know on the on the motel is coming down the stairs right right um, yeah still dark so i wasn't sure i think that's when i messaged um, um you know people in the escape community yeah. and asked them about it and i think a lot of them said black bears are, are not as dangerous as the other ones yeah yeah black bears are very meek uh, they usually just try to run and hide from you uh, that is what i re- realized but yeah you shouldn't try to take chances i guess and especially if it's a mom with cubs um, probably just a better idea yeah. to keep your distance yeah yeah i i luckily hadn't had a very close encounter um, so it's it's been pretty pretty safe uh, 
animals don't really even come to my mind i don't, don't know i mean i don't know if it's a good thing or bad thing uh, probably a bad thing from a survival <laughs> point of view but uh, i just uh, it just never comes to my mind i'm uh, i just i just block i'm always so engrossed uh, in figuring out how how to shoot that i f- forget about all this are you scared of the dark dark no i don't, i wouldn't say so okay no. so you don't have any any problem like going out in the middle of uh, nowhere and shooting the milky way all by yourself it's like pitch dark around you yeah i if i can be sure there's no one around me yeah i think i think i'm pretty uh, pretty confident uh, going by myself uh, it, it is kind of uh, how can you be sure though like you're going to a new place and you don't really know for no, sure right yeah so if so like places like death valley or eastern sierra there's usually nobody around uh, and you yeah. know if, if if a car is coming you can see the car coming from miles away uh, so and i i to be honest i i prefer being in places with no people around at night because any sound that comes from close to you can spook you um so uh, but so far i've not been on the edge too much i i, I try not to spend too much time alone my wife doesn't like uh, the dark so she tries to stay in the car so i will also try to stay close to the car because uh, she wants some uh, sense of safety as well um, but so far no no bad experiences so i i'm i'm okay with going out by myself as well i do try to go go with people but uh, i'm okay with uh, going alone as well i think just um, doing a lot of so i i have done some photography in india as well um uh, just as a like you know uh, when i was a college student and we used to shoot only at night there because we didn't have time to shoot during the day uh, so it i had just become so used to shooting at night that i don't feel anything um shooting here at night it, it, it's just a uh, second nature 